Yeah, it's really challenging times for everyone. And, and it, people may be fearful of, of what's ahead, but I don't think the habit of saving is something that's ever going to, to get old or something that you would ever not want to be doing. This is the Financial Side of Life podcast, episode 32. Welcome to the Financial Side of Life podcast. Our mission, to empower you with smart financial strategies and show that it's possible to get a college education, save, invest, retire, or do whatever makes sense to help you live your best life. We'll meet amazing people and professionals who will share stories about how they do it. And together, we hope to bring a little sanity to your complex financial life. And now, here's your host, Certified Financial Planner Pro and founder of Avea Financial Planning, Angie Forbotten-LaRosi. Hey, everybody. It's Angie here, and I want to welcome you to the Financial Side of Life podcast. Today, I am joined by Luke Miner, who is the Director of College Savings Plan, as well as Jackie Ferrado, Community Relations Manager, and they are both uh, affiliated with GET and Dream Ahead programs here in Washington State, the Washington State 529 plans. So I'd like to welcome Luke and Jackie to the program. Welcome, you guys. Good to see thank you again. Thank you. Hi. Yeah, good to see you. Well, yeah, we've talked, yeah, we have talked a couple times now. Is this our third time to actually do a podcast, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost seems like we've done it about this time of year. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to be back. And my my goal for today was to kind of catch up and hear what's new, what's not new, what's what's changed, what's stayed the same. So we've kind of worked up some questions to go over today. Um, and I want to remind listeners too that this is not only a, a audio podcast, but you can watch this interview as well on my YouTube channel, which is Financial Side of Life or Angie for Botanarosi on YouTube. I asked if we could just start by doing a short kind of quick um, overview of what is a 529 plan or a college savings plan. Okay, I'll take that one. <laughs> so 529 plans are tax advantaged college savings plans. And there are two types, prepaid tuition plans and traditional savings plans. Every state in the country sponsors a 529 plan, either having a prepaid or a savings or even both. So Washington State has both types of 529 plans, which is the GET program and the Dream Ahead investment plan. So the unique things or the cool things about 529s is that the earnings grow tax-free and then they remain tax-free when it's used for qualified educational expenses. Now, one of the best pieces of advice we, or tips we can give people to is not to presume the kids can't go to places outside of the state they're in because they actually can attend colleges, universities, um, nationwide and abroad. They can uh, even, uh, with a recent uh, law that was passed in December, uh, they can now start using it at apprenticeship programs. Right. So that opened up. And then anyone uh, can contribute to a 529 plan. So it's a really great way for parents and grandparents and friends and family to help um, gift uh, the college education or their future education, a child's future education. And account owners can also transfer money between kids. So those are the unique features and the really wonderful things about 529 plans that make them a good foundation for getting some future expenses uh, saved up for. Okay. While the kids are little. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm, I'm going to add to that. You're starting to do webinars 
or are they live events or, or recorded yeah. events? <clears throat> yeah. Well, we are doing live and um, they are recorded. So if people have to come and kind of come and go through them, they can always catch up um, a little bit later. But we're also doing a new thing that I'm really excited about and it's called the WA529 Knowledge Cafe. Okay. And it's an online meeting place and we're using Zoom as a way to do that. Our calendar of events page um, on the websites actually will give people dates and times that we're doing it. And we wanted it to be really um, flexible so people at any time of the day at different times in the week could pop in, get some information and ask the questions without feeling like, you know, like they could only do it at one time of the day or what, you know, oh my gosh, I'm working till five and I'm not going to get, you know, get around to doing that. So okay. our event calendar page has that. We're really excited about being able to interact with people through that feature. And the event calendar page is on the main website? Yeah, so from the main page of the websites, it'll, uh, there'll be a webinar link. And so we've listed it under the webinar link and there's a calendar, has the dates and times that we're doing things. The Knowledge Cafe won't require registration so people could just click in and, and, and join, join us. The webinars do have a, a registration piece to it. So. Sure, okay. Yeah. And I'll post um, links. I, sometimes I edit in the actual link while we're talking over, you know, over the image here. So um, do you happen to know a website to go to so we can speak that? Mm -hmm. Yep, it's wastate529.wa.gov slash contact. And um, that one gets them to the main WA529 website. And when they go to the contact and that the calendar shows up and okay. the webinars. Yeah. Yes, all that information. Yeah. Okay, good. I'll, I'll link to that and I'll put that on here too. You put this information out on Facebook too, right? Oh, we did. Yep. Yeah. We put it out on Facebook and through different um, partners that we have too in different um, communities that we're always in relationships with, like our employer base. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people working from home, as you know, nowadays. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity for employees to do what, you know, a typical lunch and learn type of thing. So we're starting to implement those kinds of opportunities at any time of the day, which is why we call it a knowledge cafe instead of a lunch and learn. Yeah, perfect. Okay, excellent. Um, and so my point with having you talk about these events that are coming up is that if people need to know more about the background, what is a 529? What are some of the differences between the GET, the Guaranteed Education Tuition Program, and the Dream Ahead Program? We don't right. have time here to talk about that. That's not really the focus of our talk today, but they can attend some of your events and they can go to the website and learn more there. Yes, well. please. <laughs> please do, I agree. Please do. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to start off by you know asking what's new. And so I'm just trying to get you know the heart of you know, a couple of things. What are you hearing? Are, are, you know, our parents, families calling in with kind of the same questions over and over again. So what are you hearing? And then what are things, what are, I would say, the key things that families should know about either the GET or the Dream Ahead right now? All right, well, I'll go ahead and take the first part of that question. So what's new? Um, the, the question could be, what isn't new, right? I mean, we're all in this new world together <laughs> yeah. of, of what it's like to go through a pandemic. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, we actually have seen uh, decreased volumes uh, to our contact center. Um, but what that's meant is that 
customers are having a lot to consider, right? Um, just with every other industry, there, there is a bit of a slowdown as far as people just trying to sort out their everyday lives. What we're trying to do is we're working remotely, as Jackie mentioned, a lot of people are. We're no exception, including our, uh, our entire team is offsite, but we're still serving customers. And what we want to be is being there for them to address any uh, questions they have. And I think Jackie has some good insights into what kinds of things we're hearing from customers uh, but just being on hand and removing one more layer of things for people to worry about by by being on call and available for that. Uh, but obviously, we are seeing uh, colleges uh, do very unprecedented things, such as, you know, taking instruction completely remote, and so that is having impacts on our plan participants and college students in general as far as what does that mean for the rest of their spring quarter or semester? What does it mean for the fall? And how does that impact their need to access their funds or funds they may have already distributed that they're now potentially getting refunded from institutions. Right. Um, and so we've been fielding inquiries around that. And, and there are some things, some developments that I, I know you're aware of as well um, being put into place to, to help people through that. So I think the, tr the theme that I've seen is just a lot of people working together to solve complex issues. And we don't know what all those issues that are going to come up. Uh, with our programs or with anything else in family's financial situation, uh, but but we're here to help. So uh, our industry, we're part of a, the College Savings Plans Network, so we're talking nationally about different considerations, the themes we're hearing, um, whether or not there's a, you know, a lot of panic among investors in the plans like Dream Ahead that are tied to the stock market. We've seen the economic volatility happening. And, you know, in short, we just have not seen a lot of people making really um, aggressive moves within their savings. They seem to be, for the most part, holding the line, waiting to see what is going to play out. And, and to be honest, that's good for us to see because, as we know, these are intended to be long-term savings instruments and there are going to be ups and downs in the market. However, we know this is a very unprecedented times and we don't know where it's going to lead. So Well, and... It, it is meant to be spent too, you know, within mm -hmm. like I'm spending for my accounts right now. And yeah. so that, that long time frame comes to an end at some point. And I, I wonder if people have been caught off guard because we've just been on this, this joy ride for a decade in some regards, especially in the, not on the get side of things necessarily, but on the dream ahead or on investment type programs. Cause uh, we got lulled into this sense of everything's going to be great forever kind of a feeling, I think. Mm. So I kind of wonder if parents were caught off guard, perhaps over, over allocated and maybe hopefully they're not overreacting or making dramatic changes all at once. But um, are you able to speak to what you're seeing? Are people kind of sticking? Like you said, it sounds like people are sticking with their plan. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll to cover a couple more things there. And then I think Jackie had some really good uh, insights after talking with our contact center and just we've all been in close conversation in the recent weeks. But hey, everyone, it's Angie. I want to take a really quick break to invite you to an estate planning webinar that I am hosting with Liz Wallace with Agile Elder Law on May 28th at 515. And you can find out some details and to register on my website at aveafp.com forward slash events. Again, it's May 28th, 2020 at 515. And we'd love to have you attend. Feel free to come with your questions. It's going to be an open meeting style. So you're able to get on camera and speak your questions live during this webinar. So I hope you'll join us. 
Um, but in general, say taking Dream Ahead, for example, um, I think we've seen about, we have about 800 million uh, in assets under management and about 8 million of those dollars have retreated to more conservative funds. So um, 8 million out of 800 million is a relatively small amount. So we have seen some movement uh, in people to some relative, uh, to some more conservative options, but it's not an overwhelming number of people. And we're digging a little deeper to see maybe where people are on their usage continuum, right? If they're, uh, the people making the movements are for the older college students or not. Um, we, we don't have that available right now, but mm-hmm. the trend we're seeing is, and again, as evidenced by, we're not getting a lot of panicked callers to our contact centers. Um, Good. I think, you know, again, there's a lot of other things people are thinking about that are maybe top of mind right now, but it is reassuring to, to hear that, that perhaps people, you know, again, are especially those with younger kids are really thinking about the long-term picture and and not waiting to do you know not reacting right away and we always encourage customers if they have questions about what they should do is always encourage them to speak with financial advisor uh, mm-hmm. such as yourself so that they can make an informed decision but jackie i think you had some other things you've been hearing about specific topics that people are bringing up and questions they have yeah, I think what's what I'm really excited about is that even through all of this, that people are still enrolling. You know, they're mm-hmm. still, they're especially with they, the younger the child is, it's almost like in some ways it kind of ignited the situation we're in is kind of ignited people to go, you know, I really shouldn't just sit around and wait for this. So we're getting, a, you know, still enrollment questions and people enrolling. In fact, a webinar I did on Tuesday had um, almost about 70 registered participants, you know, just to to get the information. And that was really exciting to have that many people, you know, sit in on, you know, one period of time to do Mm -hmm. that and to learn a little bit more. We had a good sense of the kinds of questions that people were asking, which were the typical ones that, you know, um, often get people wondering, not so much about whether I should do this or not, but Um, Just to be sure, you know, like people want to know what is my worst case scenario if this happens what you know what what will it look like in the future and so that's you know we were answering those kinds of questions and continue to uh, whether we were in this situation or not it's just now people are going oh this this makes a lot of sense. I think the other part of what who are either using their money now, yeah, like their kids just started college this past academic year, right? They got only so far, you know, in almost into spring. And now, you know, there's this whole new world that we're all living in. So they're, and not necessarily are they calling and asking about using their, their money and their accounts because they want to, you know, like make different decisions, like, oh, we're going to take it out, or we're not going to do this anymore. It's more like just being prepared. Like in this scenario, what would I do? Or, you know, just knowing that we can transfer it from student to student, we don't have to use it right away. Um, You know, there's the re-contribution options that Luke will talk about, too, that, you know, that, and those are all what ifs that people just need to know to be more prepared. But like Luke said, they're not necessarily making these decisions, you know, like random decisions, like, oh my gosh, you know, the sky is falling, I'm gonna stop, pull my money out kind of thing. But they're just being a little bit more cautious. Are there questions coming in about, especially with GET, about solvency? Are, are there questions or people, in, and maybe you could just speak to it, even if it doesn't seem to be top of mind, 
um, because sure. there's that guarantee there that is based upon having you know money in the accounts to pay out to future to um, you know future kids going on into college so right yeah and as we know get is, is a very unique instrument in the 529 world it's a prepaid tuition plan meaning there is a guarantee of some end quantity of something at the end so it works more like an insurance product so from customers we haven't been hearing a lot of questions around the long-term solvency of the program however People who have been following the program for a long period of time mm-hmm. and kind of understand the nuance with running a program like this and, and saw the impacts of the Great Recession have been asking that. You know, we were on a Cairo with, with Jesse Jones a couple weeks ago. He approached us wanting to know uh, that very question. And, you know, the message right there is that GET has weathered a lot of um, economic uncertainty over the years. And there have been a lot of conversations about the long-term solvency of the program. Mm-hmm. And, and GET was at a point where it was 79% funded back in um, 2010, uh, kind of the low point of the funded status following the recession. And there was a lot of conversation and concern at the time about our ability to meet all of our future obligations without the state needing to step in and back at the guarantee. But that's a really important point for a plan participant to think about with a program like GET is there is a contractual guarantee from the state and it's uh, codified in state law that, mm-hmm. that if we ever had a shortfall in the funding for the program, if we became insolvent, the state would have to step in and cover that guarantee. Okay. However, we work as hard as possible to make sure that that's never going to be a possibility. We want to responsibly manage the fund by being wise with the investments that we're making via the state investment board. Um, and then also just closely uh, pr- appropriately pricing the units there, a fair price to customers. And so that um, we're collecting enough to be able to, uh, again, back up whether the, the economic ups and downs and then ultimately meet our end, uh, end obligations to participants. So, uh, and where we're at right now is, so I was talking about that point where we we're just under 80% funded. Mm-hmm. Within a three-year time frame, we are already back over 100% funded. So there's been, I think, six different years in the program's 20-year history where we've been under 100% funded, but there's been many more years where we've been over 100% funded. And that's just a reminder that that measurement's a point in time measurement. It's very sensitive to short term changes in, you know, financial markets, uh, tuition growth assumptions. Get is very dependent on what tuition does in our okay. state. Um, that's the biggest. That's an even bigger impact on the funded status uh, than than financial yeah. markets. So, but you have often see an inverse relationship, right? When stock markets are declining, the economy is struggling. State budgets are getting strained you tend to see a trend towards higher tuition increases, which does put a strain on the fund. But the legislature has just renewed their commitment to affordable um, higher ed tuition in recent years by lowering tuition and putting it on a slower growth curve. So I don't, I haven't heard conversations of anyone being anxious to rapidly increase tuition to make up potential revenue shortfalls yet. But we're certainly keeping a really close eye on things. Gets 130% funded now, which, you know, is very, um, very well-funded for a defined benefit program like this. Our target's 115. We always ideally want to be at 115 or above for maximum solvency. Um, but really, 100% is what we're looking for over the long term. Okay. That's good to know. Good to hear. <clears throat> okay. And um, so I've got some questions, too, about things like, 
you know, on the refund discussion, and, you know, this is actually my own family situation. We made our decision already, but I'm guessing there's other families who are in the same scenario or same situation. We've got a first year freshman started last fall. Um, we paid for first semester, I think it was, and then we paid for second semester, everything, housing, um, room and board, all of it, tuition, room and board in January. And so the choice came to my son, you know, do you want to have a refund of some kind or do you want to just push this on into the fall? And so we just put, for our family, we pushed it on, but I'm guessing there's some families who had a refund. And so I, I guess my question is, what should we know about that option? Yeah. I, I feel pretty good with pushing it out till, to, till the fall term, you know, I, it's just going to be spent then. Right. But if, we wanted to take the refund. What should we know? Are there any gotchas? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, the great thing about that is, is that was something that's recently been enacted for 529 plans. Um, it's actually been, I guess, been in effect for several years now, since 2015, is that you can recontribute refunds uh, that you get from an institution to your 529 plan. So if you took a qualified distribution for, say, housing expenses that later get refunded, you do have the ability to take that refund within 60 days and put it into a 529 plan. Uh, one of the measures that's been taken since the CARES Act passed, the COVID uh, relief uh, effort package, is that deadline has been exp uh, extended for people who took, um, who otherwise would have had to contribute that money by April 1st. So they took, got their refund after February 1st from an institution. They now have through July 15th to recontribute that money to a 529 plan without penalty. Okay. Um, and so the way we're telling people, just so it's simple, anyone who's gotten a uh, refund in the last um, couple of weeks or will be getting one in the coming months is remember it's always 60 days or in this temporary period of time, it's the later of July 15th or 60 days. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot like the tax dates have been extended and you know RMDs are waived. <laughs> They're making yeah. all these concessions to help people out. So yeah. Okay. I I think they selected the July 15th as convenience to align with all those other uh, uh, other provisions as well. And I think, you know, as far as what to do with that expense, I think that's some, a great discussion for someone to have with someone like you um, about, you know, you don't know maybe what the future plans will be for college. If you're pretty sure you're going back uh, to the same institution in the fall and, um, and don't have much concern there, it may be best just to leave the money in there and not have the headache of, of getting it back. We do try to make it easy for people to get their contributions back. You just have to keep records of it and everything. Okay. Uh, but for someone who may be unsure about what their plans are next fall, it could be worth putting it back into 529, but certainly it'd be good to have a conversation with someone like you uh, if they're uncertain about that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my kid's definitely going back. And uh, <laughs> I just kind of wonder, what does that look like, though? I mean, we can't even yeah. really predict what are, are they going to allow them to come back? I guess that's my question. And, and regardless, they, they may not need the room and board part of it, but tuition will still need to be spent because they're still going to have school. So <clears throat> I, I still see that money being spent, no problem. Okay. Um, yes, that's good to know. So that got extended. How about families who already have get accounts already? Is there anything that should be top of mind to them right now? Not necessarily for new families, but families with get accounts already. Anything they should know? Yeah, I think the first thing is to think positively. You know, continue if they can. 
as best they can, if possible, just keep on saving, you know, um, maintaining their accounts is, is still, you know, a, a good place to go. But certainly, you know, their day to day and expenses and, and needs are more are, are a priority. So we, you know, in terms of the GET program, we've always had um, opportunities and uh, for families if they need to make changes to their account, like if they had a custom monthly plan where they were making a regular monthly payment. Um, and if something was changing in their scenario and they wanted to make some changes to it and reduce it or um, add more, that they would, we always said to them, give us a call. You know, our contact center team um, are able to take a look at their account specifically and then present them with some options that they then would, and we again always encourage them, always talk with your financial planner, your financial advisor, you know, to see how they line up with other things that they may be doing and to be, you know, just really cautious before they make major decisions so that when they, they know what they're doing and what the outcome is with that. But we've seen um, an increase in people asking that question, not necessarily facilitating the action, but asking the question. I've got a monthly plan. I might want to reduce the, my units because my husband has been, uh, you know, uh, temporarily laid off or he's unable to go to work or something like that, right? And so our contact center team, in fact, they our contact center manager has is doing two live webinars where she's helping to answer the questions about what kinds of changes could people typically make and what action happens when they decide to make it and what things they should be considering when they're going to make a change, whether it's to uh, reduce you know, the number of units they're having so that they can reduce their monthly payment or to convert it. Maybe they want to eliminate the monthly payment altogether. Our biggest encouragement is for people to um, to kind of take a pause, though, and continue to think of ways, if, that, if it's possible, to continue maintaining their accounts, but to certainly give us a call so that we can help them um, with the kinds of options that are available to them, and then they would talk with their financial advisor to make sure that they line up with other things that they're doing, and that they're just not suddenly going, oh, let's just take our money back, and then there's a, you know, uh, IRS uh, taxes and penalties. There's been no um, the federal guidance at all about what, you know, the IRS penalties and fees. And so, you know, wondering. that would be something that they would want to just, you know, pause on, <laughs> not, not get too, too, uh, overly, um, concerned about doing anything immediately, but, you know, we're all in, in different scenarios and, and we really always just want people to be encouraged to, Save what you can, you know, every little bit means the kids borrow less or the students borrow less in the future. And so maintaining what they're doing is going to be very helpful. But our, our teams in both um, contact centers, Get and Dream Ahead, are very well versed in helping people understand, you know, what product they have or what type of account that they have and what options are available to them for that. And then encourage people, talk with your financial advisor to make sure that it lines up with other things that you're doing. And situations that you want to be aware of before you do them. Okay. <clears throat> and so would there be any specific uh, things people with Dream Ahead accounts should be considering at this time, in addition to what you already talked about? Yeah. You want to take that one, Luke? Sure. I would say that, again, uh, you know, Jack, you referenced speaking with a financial advisor. I think when you're talking about an investment product like that. If you do have access to a financial planner or financial advisor, that would be a helpful conversation to have. 
a reminder that we're a direct sold plan, so we can't provide financial advice to, to our customers right. as far as what they should or shouldn't do. But we certainly uh, can generally say, you know, these are long-term savings products, right? And, and if you try to time the market with, you know, moving your money around, that, that can be a that can create a headache for you. And so the best thing you can do is stay the course and keep up your contributions over time. Uh, but again, we can't give that specific guidance as far as what someone should do right now. And mm -hmm. I think it certainly changes depending on where someone's at in their, their usage cycle, right? If they're, if it's a graduating high school senior about ready to go to college, the family may have a very different decision point to make uh, in moving assets potentially between portfolios uh, or making an early withdrawal versus someone who has a younger, a younger beneficiary. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of my questions that we talked about earlier, but I think you already kind of touched on this, Jackie, is that what, what if a family has faced a job loss? So kind of speaking again, specifically to that situation, what might, what might they consider? So regarding GAD, if they have a monthly plan where they're, they're doing that routinely, specifically paying this monthly payment and somebody in the family has lost their job, some things that they could be doing is a temporary pause, you know, like they just wouldn't be making that monthly payment for a, a short period of time. Okay. And then the uh, account would be um, uh, paused for, it won't be getting any late fees because of the payment being late. And then the, after the person can pick back up again, they would just start to pick back up and get that caught up. And always making sure that they're communicating with our contact center team to make sure that there, you know, there is a plan for how they're going to get caught up. Because the delay in making the payment means there's going to be a delay in using the money or accessing the money later. So the point there or the purpose there is to help somebody not get so far behind in it that they can't then, you know, conceivably figure out how to keep that plan as it is. But there are other options for like reducing the number of units maybe they were starting with. So if they had a contract for 400 units, but they, that monthly payment is just, un, or they're unable to make that one because of a situation, we could reduce it down to 300 or 200 or 100. And it's always going to be their input. You know, they're going to see the results of that decision, both in what the payment looks like and what, the, what, what that means they're going to have when the kids are ready for college. So it helps them to figure out, you know, one, where is my comfort level, but what is my priority, you know, and that's not unusual to, you know, that's always been in place. We've seen people making those kinds of decisions and us putting temporary pauses on accounts so people can take some time to get caught up. You know, our programs are here to serve families. We're here to help families save money. And so every effort is put into helping them see what um, the options are or what the possibilities are and then help them to maneuver through the information and again I know we keep beating this like a dead horse but it's so so important we tell people all the time please 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 always make sure that you're talking with your financial advisor or financial plan somebody who's got that awareness of what your other investments or saving strategies are so that you're not lost in all you know the differences between the types that they may be doing because you all <laughs> can help them with that and including how their 529 um, plans fit into those pictures right so that's we, a good point you know because yeah. they might they might have a couple different buckets of money that are earmarked for college and this is just one 
And so right. it does, it does play a role into the, the greater picture of the plan. So, right. Um, the pause feature, is that a, is that a formal thing? Do I have to call up and say, I'd like to pause for two months? Yeah. It is. Okay. They do. Yeah. They do have to do that. We, um, you know, it's always about account security. You know, we don't take instruction from just anybody about an mm -hmm. account. So the account owner would be the one who gives, you know, gives the call in and our contact center staff has a, you know, a manner of asking uh, clarifying questions to be sure they know who they're talking to. And then they can put a temporary pause. And then there is a, you know, a, a strong expectation that that account owner is going to stay in communication, you know, because the one thing we can't do with as many accounts as we have is, you know, we don't go back through and go, well, I wonder if we caught up with that other person. So, you know, just like any other bill, once that pause is lifted, you know, the system picks up, oh, it's late, it's going to send a late fee. So mm. we're always trying to make sure that people take ownership and accountability for the process of, of helping them stay on, on point, you know, on target with what they're doing. And, you know, there's also the conversion. So some people might have a monthly plan and they're paying, 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 and then some situation, and it can be a, a pot, another situation where they now have a windfall of money and they're you know, don't need to bank monthly payments anymore. So different scenarios will be different conversations. There isn't one way and the only way, right. you know. And so, um, yeah, the conversion itself means that they could change from having a monthly plan to having the lump sum. We're talking about a get account, which means that they're not required to make any monthly payments. And then depending on their actual account itself, it might mean that they have more units than they were contracting for, or they, you know, the reducing uh, units or lengthening terms might mean that they're paid in full. You know, there are many different uh, nuances depending on the person's account and their payment schedule and all that. So, and that's in fact the webinar that's on April 29th. <laughs> and, oh, I should say that one is full to capacity. So we have a another one on May 6th okay. where our contact center manager will be going through all of that, which is going to be really helpful for people right now just to know what can I do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's great that you're doing those because um, that's kind of new for you. And obviously the demand is there, right? Yeah. Getting good turnout. So yeah, and Andy, it's, it's all right if I jump in here really yeah. quick. I do want to make sure we circle back to something that I think was brought up, but I think you may have been kind of alluding to it in your question with the losing job. You know, is there is this question, should someone tap into their, um, their mm -hmm. five savings they've already accumulated, not only managing, you know, what they may have had set up for monthly contributions, but should they actually, if they need to tap into a, a source of additional income, is it advisable to do that in a 529 plan? And, you know, just with it, as with the dedicated retirement account, it's always best that if at all possible dedicated to what you're saving for, because you have tax deferred growth and it remains tax free. If you use it for qualified higher education expenses, if you don't, then you do have IRS penalties, uh, a 10% penalty on the earnings plus income tax on the money you withdraw. So you lose that tax benefit. And as of right now, we're not aware of uh, any federal level efforts to, ease that right now like they've okay. done with retirement plans. So, so it's, again, one of those things, if push comes to shove, people may be forced to make a, a challenging decision, but mm -hmm. we, we certainly, whenever possible, would recommend that people, um, again, talk to the financial professional, but, but more than anything, if you can leave that, that savings stream dedicated to the intended purpose, that's, that's always preferable, but 
everyone's going to have a different uh, thing to consider. So we just want to make sure that people are aware that as of right now, the IRS is not waiving penalties or fees on non-qualified distributions. It doesn't mean it couldn't come in the future, but that's not something we can count on right now. Right. Okay. That's good to know. I, and I did want to ask that. I was curious about that as well. Um, a couple of things happened prior to this whole coronavirus thing, and there was the SECURE Act back in December 2019, and that um, impacted a couple of things with the college plans. You talked a little bit about it, I think, Jackie, earlier, but um, a couple of things come to mind. Would you mind just talking to that a little bit, how that impacted the 529 plans? Yeah, I can jump in and cover that. So, you know, at the end of end of the year last year, there was the big uh, omnibus bill package that, that got passed and some things that had kind of been in the hopper for a while in the kind of policy stream, if you will, for 529 plans ex that expand the benefits, the qualified expenses. Um, those, there were two key provisions that went into effect that actually there was some, some weird uh, language, I think they didn't clean up the language in the end and it actually interestingly made it retroactive. So people had this very short window of time at the end of 2019 to get in oh, yeah. That's right. requests, <laughs> reimbursement requests for, uh, or distribution requests for expenses. They occurred, you know, potentially all the way back in January of that year, but it's apprenticeship programs are now an eligible expense. They have to be registered with secretary of labor, um, and then also repaying student loan expenses. So $10,000 of your student loans, principals or in, principal or interest can be, you can use 529 distributions to pay for that. And also $10,000 worth of a sibling of a beneficiary's expenses. And those are lifetime limits as of right now. Mm -hmm. So it's $10,000 $10, per beneficiary or sibling and beneficiary over the, okay. um, over the lifetime of that. But, but it is encouraging to see expansion uh, in the usage of 529s. I think the apprenticeship uh, expansion is a particularly important and that much more impactful because it makes that conversation easier for a parent who's thinking about saving for their child right now and their future plans. The goal is to help that child become career ready and that does not have to look like a four-year liberal arts university. Mm -hmm. um, and it yeah. helps us have a much easier conversation with that parent that literally no matter what your child's dreams are, there's very high chance, you know, three quarters of um, jobs these days require some form of post-secondary uh, uh, instruction. And again, that may not be a college setting, that could be um, apprenticeship, it could be certificate programs, and 529s keep, are starting to catch up with being able to help families uh, save for those costs as well. Mm -hmm. Which is great. And so I did want to just yeah. touch on that because it's, it's been a little overshadowed by what's been happening with the coronavirus yeah. stuff right now, but it, yeah. that's impactful, you know, and it is uh, an expansion, like you said, because now, was it also at the same time that they opened it up to K through 12 or was that prior? I'm just trying to remember. K-12 was 2015. Okay, so. or 2017, I think, right? Mm -hmm. so time flies. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so many, it's interesting. There has been, they've chipped away at 529 for a while to keep, you know, modifying things. There was actually a period of time uh, many years ago where there was conversations about should all, you know, should they have as generous of tax benefits? But that was a very short period of conversation never since. And it's been this continuing trend of expanding the usage mm. for them. Um, and the K-12 one has been, you know, there's been mixed reactions to that. There's been a lot of politics involved in the conversation around the mm -hmm. K-12 piece. We've obviously administered a program and stay out of that, but 
we are very glad, especially when we see things pass that, that increase the post-secondary opportunities. So again, it's yeah. about looking ahead to the future and, and helping a child uh, achieve that or someone who wants to send themselves back mm -hmm. uh, and get, get further instruction to become, to switch careers or move up the career ladder, that kind of thing. So yeah, lots of options, right? So that kind of leads me to um, pretty much my last question was what stayed the same? <laughs> There's been some changes, but what stayed the same? What's still kind of the things that you want people to know are great benefits of the 529 plans? Right. So the, the, the benefit being that you have a way to provide opportunity for your, for your child. And that's the most common thing we see is parents saving for young children and, and the younger you can do it, the better. So the things that haven't changed is, you know, get a plan started early save what you can when you can, you know, families who make regular contributions regularly come out further than families who only make periodic contributions. We see they accumulate more in savings. And so mm -hmm. as Jackie, I think, shared early on in the conversation, reducing future student loan debt's a big piece of that. So students don't come out of school with the future debt burden. So those fundamentals stay the same through all this. And with, you know, the current economic turbulence, not everyone may be able to attend to their 529 plan right now and continue making contributions. But I would say as soon as you're back in a position to do so, uh, it's one of the best things you can do, especially while your, your children are still young. Mm -hmm. and, and again, you want to seek uh, help from a financial professional if you feel like you need help on your strategy, um, you know, how to prioritize retirement savings versus college savings. That's mm -hmm. probably getting even murkier right now in the face <laughs> of all these strains, mm -hmm. healthcare costs and all that. So we're not you know, we don't want to say that college savings is the most important thing a family can do. I think that's up to the individual family, but we think it's a particularly important piece of a family savings efforts and as mm -hmm. much as possible to continue attending to that. And all the 529 benefits are still there. Uh, our programs are going to be around a long time to help families pay for those future expenses. Yeah, good. Any, any other closing comments? I would just add that, um, yeah, it's really challenging times for everyone, and, and, and it, people may be fearful of, of what's ahead, but I don't think the habit of saving is something that's ever going to, to get old or something that you would ever not want to be doing. So I think if, you know, people just keep keeping a positive outlook, we're trying to keep a positive outlook. I uh, am very fortunate that my wife and I just had a baby girl, our first child, and we've already started her college savings. Granted, this all... Uh, uh, Congratulations! I was trying to find that that moment to wedge that, that moment to say it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome! But, Congratulations! So, thank you, thank you, and and so we're we're saving for her. Granted, it, it, we um, are fortunate to be in a position where we're financially stable right now. We started saving for her, but even before she was born, that's another thing that hasn't changed. You can open an account for a child before they're born. You name yourself as the beneficiary. Mm -hmm. So. Um, that's what I'd say is, is the earlier you can start, the better. And even with an uncertain future, you have dreams for your children or dreams for yourself about what you might want to do in the future. And if you can, you know, make a contribution to those future efforts, it's, it's a great thing to do. And whether you do that with us or another 529 plan or any other type of savings vehicle, um, yeah. it's an right. important habit to get into. Yeah, absolutely. The only other thing I would add to that is, you know, to uh, gather, gather their information and resources and do what they can to learn a little bit about the different ways of savings mm -hmm. and make them, um, those opportunities fit into the goals that they have as a family. You know, like everybody's different. Everybody has, their kids have different 
um, goals and expectations. And that can certainly change as the kids get older too, you know, but um, preparation and, you know, every good decision. I heard somebody say this in a speech one time. They said they were talking about themselves and they said, every good thing I ever did started with a decision to, you know, and so your, your efforts, you don't have to know like every step of the way, what is going to happen or isn't going to happen. It's just get started. You know, every little bit helps. And, you know, there's always going to, it's always going to be your money. You know, you know, it's saved and you're going to be able to take it back and do what you need to do if, you know, if it isn't for one purpose or another, um, there's going to be situ conditions on all of those. And this 529 plans are not unique to that idea. Um, but, you know, our, our thing has continued to be just to make sure that we're helping families realize what, what these plans do and how they are and then how they fit into their kids' overall goals. And, you know, I started out with kids who were in elementary school and now they're grownups and have their own kids. And so now I look at this stuff from the lens of being a grandparent and, you know, the excitement that I have as a grandparent to see their, their future potential and um, my own kids being grateful that there's going to be, because of this, this pattern that we started to develop as a family, to just save, you know? Right. Started out just tucking away, you know, $5 a week and then $20 a month and then turned into more and more because we focused on the effort, so... Yeah. And, and that is exactly how it starts. And I think people just need to remember that it just starts with a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the face of 14 years later. I'm you, Luke, 14 years from now. <laughs> you know, but there's nothing more comforting than, you know, setting up that bank link and sending off the money. Bam. Yeah. It's paid for. College is paid for. How easy is that? I mean, it's yeah. just, it's kind of mind blowing. So it's a great tool. It's one of several tools, but it's definitely a tool I think families need to remember is available to them and learn more about. So um, where can people learn more about? Go ahead and re reiterate those websites and maybe phone numbers or whatever contact information you'd like to share. Okay. So wastate529.wa.gov. Okay. W-A-S-T-A-T-E 529.wa.gov okay. is the landing page um, with kind of basic info and then they would launch off from there to either the GET program or the Dream Ahead plan. Okay. So that's the easiest contact or piece right now because you don't have to memorize two different websites, mm -hmm. one. And then 800-955-2318 is the toll-free number for the GET program and 800 529-5845 is the toll-free number for the Dream Ahead plan. So we also have a Facebook page. And as we kind of talked about earlier, we're doing some webinars. We've got the WA 529 Knowledge Cafe. That'll be weekly meetings, various times during the week. And we've got them all set up right now for April and all through May. So if anybody's interested in wanting to talk, not just read it, you know, but to talk and dialogue and ask their questions, join us in the cafe, you know, I'll have it on every week, it'll be me, mainly facilitating at the beginning, I'm going to have my cup of coffee, <laughs> and we'll just talk through the questions that they have, and I'll give be able to give them resources that they need to get them, you know, to that place of, of you know, comfortable um, 
comfortableness and then hopefully they decide to, you know, open up accounts and just start saving. Yay. Okay. Yay. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me once again. I will just put on my calendar for next year. Next year. <laughs> we'll just come right back. So it's great information as always. It's trying times. Things are a little bit, you know, topsy-turvy right now, but it's still important to be thinking ahead to our futures or the futures of our kids. So I'm yeah. grateful you took some time out of your day today to come talk and catch, catch us all up on this. Topic. Thank you for inviting us. It was good to see you. Yeah. Thanks, Angie. Really appreciate it. I want to thank my guests for stopping by the podcast and sharing their unique story with us today. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Feel free to visit aveafp.com where you will find show notes and links to items that were mentioned in today's podcast. I invite you to come back often, listen again and again. Feel free to leave a review at iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. I want to thank my guests for joining. I want to, I want to thank my guests for stopping by the booth.